The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast continuing our off-season edition. I'm Joe Galina, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Scott Chu. Scott, how does it feel to co-host a baseball podcast that's a finalist in the FSWA Best Baseball Podcast category? I, I just can't believe you're asking me. Right? <laughs> I can't believe you're asking me how that feels. I, I never thought I'd know how that feels. This is actually technically my uh, my second time being a finalist. Nice. I once, yeah, I once was um, part of a nomination for Friends with Fantasy Benefits for the Fantasy Curling podcast as part of their all sport podcast submission. Mm-hmm. So this is te- technically I'm a two time finalist. Thank you, but uh, <laughs> no, no, it's unbelievable, right? Like the other podcasts that are nominated, like Pitcher List, and I mean I'll, I'll let you go into more details, but it's wild to be for the FSWA to know our name, that we exist, to care, (laughs) to write it in a tweet once. That to me is wild. Yeah. I mean, I've been uh, toiling around the fantasy sports industry since about 2014. And this is my first FSWA nomination. So just thrilled. And like you mentioned, just to be included with the type of competition we're up against, uh, you know, NBC's Circling the Bases podcast. You got Rates and Barrels with uh, Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper. I mean, both widely acknowledged as two of the best in the business. Of course, the sleeper in the bust uh, who just recorded their thousandth episode, Justin Mason, Paul Sporer, and Jason Collette. And of course, uh, Pitcher List's own uh, fantasy baseball podcast. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it's not so much on the corner that's nominated as it is the whole main pitcher list feed that's nominated. Now that's largely on the corner, but a lot of our, you know, technically a lot of us have been on the main feed. I mean, that's how a lot of folks have heard about us. We've been on the main feed. So have, you know, a lot of our fellow co-hosts on the uh, pitcher list podcast network. So it, it's wild. You know, we're not going to win. But um, luckily, they don't release how far last we got. But what I do know is that I think that we are, by default, the rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we all, just all of these this. other podcasts have hundreds of episodes. Right. Um, but not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is episode number 33. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and when, you compare, up, baby. <laughs> when you compare it to uh, 1,000 plus uh, that the Sleeper and the Bust have, have put together. So just thrilled to be mentioned in that company. And, uh, and thanks to everyone. Uh, for supporting the podcast. Thanks for everyone listening. And pressure's on there, Scott. Oh, the, the pressure's always on, Yeah, Joe. Just yeah. nobody cared before. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. But so just to give everyone some context, we're recording this podcast on Saturday, January 22nd, uh, just before 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. And look, I mean, we could sit here and pat ourselves on the back uh, for an hour or so. I mean, if you want to do that, Scott? No, no. I've, I've been doing that for the last you know, 18 <laughs> hours, so I can take a break. All right, all right. So we got a show to do today, and we're going to take a look at uh, some hitters uh, that we're looking to target, stream, and avoid for the upcoming 2022 season. So, hey, you know, uh, like I mentioned, it's the 22nd, still in that baseball lockout. And the 24th, which is Monday, I believe the two sides are going to talk. So keep your fingers crossed there, Scott. Oh, they're very crossed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think what we're going to see, if I'm going to make a prediction now, uh, I think we're going to see spring training delayed or even shortened. Mm-hmm. But I do think we're going to have a full or very close to full season. I'll be stunned mm-hmm. if they don't play at least 140 games. Oh, I want 162, please. 162. My wife uh, just asked me the other day, "Hey, you want to go to, you know, Tampa in the last week of March, maybe catch one of the last Yankee exhibition games and, you know, catch some rays." And I'm like, "Let's see what goes on, <laughs> you know, before we make plans like that." But I'm really hope I I could accept uh, missing a few exhibition games, but I, I want a full season. So hopefully, I believe the Players Association is going to submit their counter proposal this Monday. And obviously, free agency and arbitration, huge aspects of this whole situation here. Hopefully, they could come to terms. I'm sure there's not going to be an agreement on Monday, but it's you know good that the two sides will be talking. So, uh, like I said, we're going to take a look at some streamers, keepers, players to avoid at every position. And basically, for this exercise, Streamers is going to focus on players that you drafted, not necessarily to be your season-long starters, but they're players that you might use in your starting lineup while they're on a hot streak, and then you could sit them when they slump. And you're probably not going to drop them, but if you think they're not going to break out of a slump and there's somebody hot on the waiver wire that you're after, then you might, but you probably won't drop them. But the opportunity will be there. And when we're talking keeper, we're not talking, you know, top one or two at a particular position. For instance, I'm not going to be talking guys like Jose Ramirez or Rafael uh, Davers, the cream of the crop of the third base position. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better! We're talking players that you really believe in, kind of like in the middle of the of the top 15, we'll say. Guys that you love and that you really don't think are going to let you down. If they go in a slump, you're not going to drop them. And uh, players that you avoid, hey, that's self-explanatory. Guys that have burned this in the past and that we never want to roster again. So uh, uh, when we talk about ADPs today, we're going to use uh, fantasy pros consensus ADPs and they combine ADPs from RT sports, fan tracks and NFBC preseason drafts. So uh, why don't we get started? So uh, I'm just going to throw a couple of names out and then you could do a deep dive on your names, but uh, I'll start at the first base spot and a guy that I think might be a decent streamer. And we've talked about him a little bit in previous podcasts uh, not too long ago. Bobby Dalbeck, first baseman for the Red Sox, 37th first baseman coming off the board, ADP of 234. 
He's going to strike out a ton, but he's a home run hitting machine. And if you look at last season, up until August 12th, was batting 222 with a 37% K rate, 63% contact rate. From that point on, batted 283, 14 homers, 725 slug. That's a 50 home run pace there, Scott. So uh, unfortunately, he still had a, a 27.8 K rate in the second half. Still very high. But one issue I'm a little afraid of, and I think we brought this up in the past, Tristan Cassis, top prospect for the Red Sox. He may get a chance to play some first base as well at some point this season. But I think Dalbeck, you could ride him a little bit if you're looking for some home run hitting power this season. Yeah, he's probably more in like my stream area uh, because you know his profile, which is basically high power, low hit tool, kind of guy. Um, he does know how to take a walk, but he just strikes out so much. He has been up and down with the walks in the, in the big leagues. Again, when he heats up or he, you know, faces a nice slate of like mediocre right-handers, uh, he's a really nice stream. He's just not a guy that, you know, the deeper the league, the less I want to plug him into a spot, you know, because th- there's, he's the type of guy that your issue isn't just, whether or not he hits 30 or 25 home runs when he slumps, that team is going to be looking to replace him, right? They've got Cassis down low, or they could just find anybody to be, you know, platooning him is very easy for the Red Sox. Cause he's a very easy guy to platoon. That's what makes him scary from a playing time perspective. Yeah. So who's your streamer? Cause he was my streamer. <laughs> Who yeah. do you have a streamer at first base? So I have, I have two of them. Um, and it's, one of them is a guy who I think some people want to draft as like, you know, some people out there might be trying to draft him as like a star, like a sleeper starter, but it's Brandon Belt. All right. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Belt, pretty simple, right? He was absolutely fantastic when he played last season. It was the breakout we've been waiting for for a decade, mm-hmm. uh, but he got hurt, which is exactly you know, unfortunately has been the career trajectory of Brandon Belt, which is get hurt. And he gets hurt more as he gets older, right? Because he's not a young guy anymore. So, but he, he gets on base. He makes excellent contact. I'm a big fan of Brandon Belt. Just, you know, he's a guy that you will almost certainly add and then drop, right? He will be on your roster if you're doing it right. Probably like three or four times throughout the season because the Giants might face a really nice stretch of, you know, soft right-handed pitching, or he's just healthy and hot and you got to play him. And eventually he'll like get hurt or fade down a little bit. And then you can let him go. Cause he's not the guy you have to keep. And that's, what's kind of nice about him. If you miss out on a top first baseman or you took a swing at like a, you know, at a lower end guy and hope you hit and it didn't work out. Brandon belt's always going to be there. He's mm-hmm. always going to be on that waiver wire for your util spot or corner infield, or in a pinch, like a first base villain, he's always going to be there. And it should make you feel good. It should make you feel happy, warm, you know, because he's always there for you. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to kill you batting average-wise like a, a Dalbeck would. Who, who's your other guy at first? Yeah, so it's Nathaniel Lau, or Lowe. I think it's Lowe. I, I think it's Lowe, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I Lau, Lau plays in Tampa, I think, right? I apologize to all the Lowe's and Lau's that are out there <laughs> that face this every day. Um. You know, so, so what I like about, you know, Nate Lowe is that he, one, he actually runs a little. He stole eight bases last year. Like, it, it's hard to remember that. So he also had a very up and down season. And he's got a ton of power in that bat. But you didn't really see it last year with only the 18 home runs. And if you remember, throughout the season, he was relevant for periods. Because he goes on these heaters. 
where he hits like two home runs in three games and then two more over the next three games and then two more over the next three games. And then he shows up on your, you know, when you look at the free agent pool, he shows up at the top of, you know, best over the last 15 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's at the top because he's raking. You add him and you didn't get any of the juice, right? Because it's over. So, so it makes him tough, but he is, you know, he, he's another guy who like Bell is left-handed. Uh, now he had weird like reverse splits last year, but I, I want I, I want to bring that up because he even has it over his career. He has this weird like batting average split against lefties where he's better at it. But what I want to sort of get people away from is looking at a single year of split stats. Just because someone did something in splits in 2021 doesn't actually mean a whole lot, right? What we do know is that he does strike out more against lefties, which is annoying. So he's actually a lot better against right-handers. He only strikes out about 25% of the time. And his, you know, he's got a 257 batting average against them, a 432 slug. And I think that's going to go up. So, you know, with, with Nate low, I want him as like a streamer, as a corner infield, whenever those, those Rangers get a run of righties mm-hmm. and that's going to happen. Uh, they're going to face some soft righties. So, he's going to be a really nice guy to plug in in those moments and, and hit some, you know, hit you some home runs, probably not viable in like a, like a 10 or a 12 team Yahoo league where he's only first base. Right. But any league that's got like corner infield, something like that. Um, he starts to become a very attractive streaming candidate. If you mm-hmm. choose to take that strategy with, you know, the corner infield. The last thing I want to say is there's a reason we're going to talk about streamers at every position, because number one, you do stream every position probably at some point in the season right? Uh, you end up doing it for just a little while. Number two, you can stream any position, right? We talk a lot about streaming pitchers. We don't talk enough about streaming hitters, right? It's not just catchers. You can stream any position if you're dealing with injury or you weren't able to hit in the draft, right? You can do this with any position. So it's always good to know what's out there when you're trying to make your draft decisions. Like, do I really have to take a first baseman here? Because I bet in a lot of 12 teamers, Brandon Belt goes undrafted. And if you take a gamble, because, you know, you didn't hit any of your first base targets early, you take a gamble and you can do that knowing what's available, like what's going to be available, what you might be able to rely on, what kind of streamers are out there. Yeah, yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. So uh, let's move on. Within the first base position, guy I, I like to target, and we'll call him a keeper too. He's going to be 35 years old this season, but I just can't quit him. Is Jose Abreu, eighth first baseman off the board, uh, ADP of 71, which means six-round pick in a 12-team league. 30 home runs and 100 RBI are a lock, especially in that loaded Chicago White Sox lineup. Didn't get to at least 100 RBIs twice in his career there, Scott. One was the 2020 COVID season. And 2018, he only played 128 games, but in both seasons, he would have been on a pace to eclipse 100 RBI. 290 career hitter. Don't love the fact that he lost 100 points of batting average off of his fastball last season. But look, if this guy's going to regress a little bit, I'm thinking that 275, 30 home runs, 100 RBI are locked. Yeah, and that's what's nice about him. You get to lock it into that first base spot. First base is a position that isn't too tough to navigate this year in most formats, but it is something, you know, you always have to be aware of what your strategy is. And, and he's a really nice one. He's sort of like a good temperature gauge in your draft. 
Like once Jose Abreu's off the board, you know that first base is something where you're going to be hitting some risk. Right. Because right. after that, it's not that there's not good players after Jose Abreu. They just present very different risk assessments. So if you don't take that first baseman in your first, like in the first 75-ish picks or so, um, that's what you're going to see is you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to take on some risk at first base, or I'm going to have to bite some bullet at first base, like with batting average, right? So, or with power or whatever it is. So I, I think that it's it's a good temperature gauge, obviously a great player guy that I would be targeting a lot because I like to have that last guy that I'm not worried. About. Yeah. Hasn't gotten hurt since the 2018 season. Very durable. Who's a guy that you target at first base? Yeah. So the first one I'll talk about another Southpaw, it's actually Jared Walsh. He had an excellent season last year over in, uh, LA of Anaheim, I guess I should say Anaheim. <laughs> he had an excellent season, right? We, you know, there's not much you could say about the chance. I mean, just the fact that he even got an opportunity was a little bit surprising. Uh, it wasn't entirely clear how much he'd be able to play, but he was able to play a lot. He's going to continue to play a lot, hit 275 last season, 28 home runs. And this time I don't think that he's going to have to share time with any Albert Pujols, Right. I don't think yeah, he's uh, that, with the Dodgers or something, right? Isn't yeah, he? <laughs> yeah, he, so he had to do that for a little early in the season. But then what also you're going to find is Mike Trout's going to be in the lineup more mm-hmm. because he's going to be able to play, right? He's going to be hitting probably right behind Otani and Trout. That's a really good place to hit. FYI, right? <laughs> like there's a really good chance. This is a 30 home run, 100 RBI bat. With even if his batting average comes down to like a 240 or 250, like I'll take that all day long where he's being drafted, which is like pick 114. He's the 15th first baseman off the board. I love that. I am yeah. absolutely a big fan of that. The other guy I like who's actually be, being taken even later, rough season last season, but Josh Bell, uh, who's, who's with the Nats. Look, it was a rough season, but there's a reason a lot of the projection systems are going to like Josh Bell as a lot better than the 20th first baseman right? Because we've seen him more than once in the past, put up that 30 home run power. And while the batting average can be a little up and down, I mean, Josh, you know, Josh Bell down there as the 20th, you know, as the 20th first baseman is a really nice pick. Cause I think he's a, he has, you know, definite upside as like the, a 10 to 12 team first base starter. Right. And he's going to go undrafted in some leagues like a like a lot of 10 team and 12 team yahoo leagues he might not even get drafted mm. right so um, i mean he probably will uh but he's you know he's well outside the top 100 hitters uh for adp and things like that so definitely going to be keeping my eye very close on josh bell he's probably my like jared walsh and josh bell are my backup plans mm. jared walsh more from you know the majority of leagues if someone else is excited about him you know bell's the very next target yeah, and going back to the Angels' projected lineup, Otani, Trout batting second, Walsh batting third, and Anthony Rendon batting cleanup. Now, players that we're avoiding at the first base position, uh, I'll just tell you real quick, no way Miguel Sano is on any of my fantasy teams. Uh, it looks like he's already being avoided, but 42nd first base, been off the board, 272 ADP, power unmistakable. Uh, he had some splits last season to talk about up until July 25th was batting 195 with a 37% K rate and a 65% contact rate. Uh, Then after that, he got hot, 
put up a 257, 354, 877 triple slash the rest of the way. But even so, still struck out 31% of the time. I don't buy into that second half. Uh, hasn't had an overall batting average higher than 223 in three of the last four seasons. Uh, maybe even Alex Kirilov steals some of his at-bats. I'm not. Miguel Sano will not be on any of my fantasy teams. If you watch the Twins at all, you watch Miguel Sano, you know that when he's bad, he has to be on the bench. He is just, I mean, he's bad in the field. And when he's not hitting home runs, he's just a, you know, he's a rally killer because it's a strikeout like every time. So I'm obviously I am definitely out on him. You know, the other guy I'm out on, it's not because I think he's bad. It's because I think that he's, he's getting a lot more hype than I think, you know, he got hype last year. He's got hype this year. And I think people forget what it actually felt like in season. It's CJ Crone. So with CJ Crone, everybody looks at those final numbers and they say, wow, he was awesome. But I've talked about this before. He was on, he was on waiver wires for like a month and a half, right? Because he was bad to start the season. He just did not perform, right? He was supposed to be that sleeper. And now he's being, you know, he's being drafted, you know, much higher than before. I mean, not crazy high, uh, but you're seeing him being taken a lot earlier than he was previously. And I hate to just do this, but I'm just going to do this for a second. It's the home road splits. It's hard to hit uh, as a Colorado hitter because of something I mentioned before, visual memory index, right? The ball moves differently in the thin air, uh, especially as it comes out of people's hands. So a splitter, you know, a splitter or a slider, they don't look the same when you leave home. So it makes for some really ugly looking home road splits. Uh, for a lot of guys, but his are pretty extreme, right? So away from home, he slugged 397, right? He hit 235, 337, 397. At home, he was excellent, right? Like, don't get me wrong. 326 average, 412 OBP, 661 slugging, right? Crushed away from home. And he was a decent player away, but... That's half the game. Half the games, he's incredibly average or worse. He's only really like a fan, like a, a good fantasy starter for half of his games. So it's not a platoon, but it sort of is for mm. CJ Crone. So I do think like he's a decent player. I'm only avoiding him because someone is always going to like him more than me in right. every draft room. Maybe, maybe he they won't one day. And I might be able to pick him up as a corner infield, but people are going to draft him to be their first baseman. So in part, you're you're avoiding him because of the draft capital that you'll have to invest. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a good good point. It also sounds like he's more of a, a DFS play than a season long play. Oh, absolutely, that's what mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, right. Like I'd put him in stream, except you can't actually draft him in a place where you get to stream it mm-hmm. in most leagues. Right? Like he's someone's going to have him starting. So I can't like call him a streamer. So I have to avoid him because I have to pay starting prices for a guy that I really only want to stream. Hmm. Unless there's another first baseman you want to talk about, we could uh, move to second base and, and I'll, I'll talk about uh, another Rocky, a guy that uh, I'll call him a streamer, uh, Bre- Brendan Rogers. And he might start off the season as uh, somebody that you might tentatively put in your fantasy lineup to start the season. 
but he might play so well that he might never come out. So I call him a streamer, but he might be a starter for the for your uh, season law fantasy team. 102 games held his own last season, batted 284, 15 home runs. Most impressive to me was the strikeout rate, just 20.2. And we were waiting a long time to see this guy uh, get his chance to play every day, and uh, he came through. So, I mean, I agree with Steamer and ATC projections. I think that over the course of a season, uh, 280 batting average, just over 20 home runs, maybe even pushes it to 25. But uh, he's someone that I have got my eye on. Yeah, and you should. Right. Like, I think that he's he's an excellent pick as someone to just really target in a lot of drafts, especially late. I've seen I mean, even, you know, Saris did it recently in a draft he was in for a draft and hold picking up Brendan Rodgers because one, hey, maybe new management doesn't jerk around young players like they used to. I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know, there's a chance. Right. And also he showed good contact numbers. And there's going to be great batting average and slugging in cores. Hitting home runs is a little harder than people think. It's not super hard. You saw the home run derby, but it can be a little bit harder. <laughs> but um, he he probably has more like 20 to 25 home run power. But he can put a really nice batting average in there and be a really, a really decent second baseman or very good middle infield in most formats, 12 teams and deeper. And you don't have to pay that kind of price for him. So I'm definitely big on that. And he was actually a guy I had as like a keep a guy I really believe in Mm -hmm. uh, at, you know, actually I had him at shortstop, but he's, you know, in the middle infield. I'm a really big fan of Rogers and and doing, you know, whatever you can with him. And I don't think you have to stream him because his contact plays. I mean, like he's going to have a worse batting average on the road than at home because every Rocky will do that because of what it's like to go between that like changes in atmospheres that much, but I think he'll still post very good numbers away from home. So who are a couple of your uh, second basemen that you're looking at either as streamers, keepers, uh, guys that you're avoiding? You know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, two of them real quick. My, my, the guy that I really want to keep or target uh, at second base that I've been going after is Max Muncy, right? I think people are just way too worried about his shoulder. I mean, we're coming off a season where Max Muncy was, you know, a, you know, elite in a lot of ways. I mean, he finishes the number nine second baseman. He finishes the number six first baseman last season, hit a whole bunch of home runs, did, I mean, just did everything you wanted him to do, right? The batting average a little bit low, but he improved his strikeout rate again, hit 36 home runs, 95 RBI or sorry, 94 RBI, 95 runs scored. He's doing it all. He's walking at a crazy high clip. Uh, one of the best seasons he's had, I mean, really the best season he's had in his career in a lot of ways. And it feels like people are drafting him even later than they used to, which makes no sense to me. Yes, he hurt his shoulder. Still no evidence that he's going to miss any significant time. Um, but like he's he's missed time. I mean, he misses a little bit of time every year. So even if he plays 100, I mean, he only played 144 games last year, right? So I'm, I'm all in on Max Muncy. He's hit, you know, he's been one of the top home run hitters in four straight seasons, right? Uh, in in terms of like full, you know, full seasons, not counting 2020, three straight with at least 35 home runs. And this guy goes after pick 100. That's wild to me. And it's not like his batting average is, you know, 200. It's like 250. It's right. a career 240. He had a pretty rough 2020, but otherwise 249, 251, 263. Why, why does he keep falling? I think that you hit the 
nail right on the head. I think that that little uh, news about his injury really scared some people. So maybe uh, if there is a slight delay to the start of the uh, baseball season, that could work to his advantage. I mean, yeah. Anyone that's pushing him down, it's just there's I get it that but that's extreme risk aversion. Right, because there's still no confirmation that he's actually going to miss the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. He might not just because he said in like December that it's going a little slower. That's fine. You know, you got nothing but time, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just you know, sit tight. Yeah. So I'm a big Max Muncy fan. As far as streamers go, uh, there's two guys I want to talk about. They have very similar profiles. Luis Arias, who I can never quit. Uh, <laughs> Hard, you know, lots of contact. So if he's hitting near the top of the order, I'm really interested. The other guy, Nick Madrigal, right? So missed all last season, uh-huh. uh, got traded. But if he's at or near the top of an order, he can steal 20 or more bases and he can hit like 300. Now there's no power, none, right? But there is batting average and speed. So he can be a great streamer if he's hitting near the top of the lineup, especially if he runs into you know, a little stretch against like some weaker batteries in terms of stopping opposing runners. Uh, he was actually on my avoid list, tell you the truth. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the batting average, he's going to hit 300, right? But no power at all. And yes, you know, you roster him in part because of that batting average and because you think he could steal some bases for you. And it did steal 35 in a minor league season. He only stole one last year in 54 bases i know he had a hamstring issue which ended up ending his season so uh, to me he's more a guy that yeah you know i'm gonna watch him and maybe make him you know a uh, a waiver wire pick but in terms of drafting him i think i'm gonna uh, avoid him to start the season but I'll, I'll just throw one other guy out there and we, we hardly ever disagree so it's good to have a little disagreement right um but uh, i'll talk about Kendall Marte, and i'm kind of cheating calling him a second baseman because he plays most of his games in the outfield but has batted 318 over the past three seasons his expected batting average slightly lower than that but right around the same range right really good contact hitter consistently above the average uh, contact rates 84.4 for his career 76 percent is the league average by the way what was last season so i don't think we'll see him hit 32 home runs like he did again but again i'll agree with steamer and atc projections I'm thinking 290 batting average, lower 20 home run range. And if he could avoid uh, any uh, leg injuries, if those hammies are healthy, could even steal 10 bases for you. Yeah, I can agree with that. And, and I, I hate to you know break up your, your dream of us disagreeing, but I think we both do agree that he's probably Ooh. not a draft target. He's mm-hmm. out. He's my. He's at the top of my watch list at second base, though. Are we I talking magical? Okay. Yeah, magical. Okay. Yeah. I, I think with magical, you just don't need drafting. I, I think yeah. the. I'm going to talk about two guys really quick, and then I'll be done. Go, go One for more it. Guy to really pay attention to Jonathan Scope. He's going to get to the middle oh, yeah. of the Tigers lineup that I think is really getting re-energized. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to play a whole lot of games. He's going to hit for a whole bunch of power. Still eligible at second base. He actually, it's hard to say how much second base he's going to play this coming season. It depends on how early they want to bring up Spencer Torkelson, what position they want him to play. Uh, I, I have a weird crush on Isak Paredes, and I want to see if he gets some chances to play. Uh, and he's probably the best fit at like first or second base. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Tigers shuffle that order, but there's a lot of power there, and he's going to have a good batting average, especially in Comerica with those deep power alleys. The guy I want to avoid, and this is for 12-team leagues specifically, is one that projections always love. It's Gene Segura. Projections love Gene Segura because he plays a bazillion games. 
Uh, and he has a bazillion plate appearances. So he's a great accumulator of like 10 to 12 home runs and 10 to 12 stolen bases and like some okay counting numbers. That's not valuable in 10 and 12 team leagues. He's great in like the NFBC where you just need, you know, that volume really makes a difference and his little contributions across the board make a difference in leagues where the replacement value is really low. But Gene Segura is generally a below replacement level uh, in like Yahoo and even like 10 and 12 team ESPN leagues because it's better to take the risks as your last, you know, second baseman, right? Mm-hmm. Look for upside because Gene Segura ain't got it, mm-hmm. right? It, it's just, it's not, to me, it's not good strategy to target him in shallow leagues. Now, again, in Deep Roto, NFBC, absolutely a guy worth targeting, mm-hmm. generally undervalued. But in the 10 to 12 teamers, he doesn't do anything good enough to be above replacement level. And it's often better to use, if you're digging that deep, it's better to use that position to look less for overall value and look for specific category contributions or upside. Good analysis. And uh, we'll move on uh, to the shortstop position. And uh, I'll just start off with Chris Taylor, who I labeled him as a streamer, but you're never going to drop him. I mean, just so valuable because he eligible at second, third, short outfield, uh, technically according to fantasy pros, the 25th shortstop coming off the board, 147 overall ADP shortstop is such a deep position. It's you know, hard to find somebody that you actually call a streamer just because of the depth of so many players that are fantasy viable at that spot. But look, he's a little bit of a free swinger, which could affect his overall batting average, keep it in the 250 range, but 20 home runs, 13 steals last season, you know, it gives you a little bit of a, a power and, and speed combo there. Uh, was really effective when playing at home last season. Good home away splits, batted 282 at home, 232 away. And also uh, pretty good against left-handed batters, uh, left-handed pitchers, actually. Batted 296 against left-handers, uh, 237 against right-handers. Yeah, it- and I'm glad you mentioned the depth of shortstop because I think that's really the theme for all of this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to talk, I want to actually start with the shortstops I'm avoiding. And that's anyone who I think is going to play less than, if I project or someone projects them for less than 120 games, they're pretty much off my draft board in 10 and 12 team leagues. Like Bobby Witt's really cool. But mm-hmm. in 10 and 12 team leagues, shortstop is so deep. The, how good Bobby Witt would have to be to be worth drafting and the amount of time that he's going to play. Is, I mean, you're looking at like 10 percentile outcome, right? Like you're looking at the the best possible scenario. Shortstop is insanely deep that the guys that I'm like targeting towards the back were like Brendan Rodgers and Willie Adamas, right? Mm-hmm. Guys who showed really good things last year, who have really like, who have some potential like interesting things like Rodgers has a bad lineup, but a good home park. Adamas has a good home park and good lineup around him. How does Bobby Witt or something like that get ahead of Brendan Rodgers and Willie Adamas? Long-term, it's obviously Witt. But in these 10 and 12-team leagues, I just don't think that there's enough upside to draft and stash a guy like Bobby Witt unless you have like specific slots for, you know, for reserving like minor league players. Mm-hmm. So my avoid list is huge. It's anyone who I don't think is like, like any platoon player, any you know at shortstop i need full time that's the first and most basic requirement because of the amount of you know rock solid in fact rock stars at the position 
Mm-hmm. I can't like beg, borrow, and steal um, like a platoon situation at shortstop and expect to compete with my league mates who, you know, half of which have someone named Xander Bogarts or better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about some some keepers at shortstop. I'll just mention Wanda Franco. I mean, ninth shortstop coming off the board, according to Fantasy Pros, ADP of 46. I mean, I mean, this kid's future is so bright. He's got to wear sunglasses at night, right? Right. Got off to a bit of a slow start last season, slashed uh, 220, 283, 349 in his first 27 games, but showed consistent improvement in his final 43 games. Scott, he had a 6.4% K rate uh, slashed uh, 331, 388, 535 in those 43 games. 84.7% contact rate. That's well above the 76% league average and doesn't get rattled. It showed up when he counted, right? Uh, posted a 368 batting average, two home runs in his first uh, four playoff games. This guy's for real. Yeah, you're really out on a limb there, Joe. The kid with the 80 grade hit tool might be good <laughs> at baseball. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's obviously excellent. The, the guy, I the guy I'm going to talk about a little more is actually Willie Adamas. Not because I think that he's like Wander Franco level at all. It's just amazing to see the great things that they were able to do in Milwaukee uh, after he goes over there. Right. So with mm-hmm. Willie Adamas, he has these, you know, in Tampa, he strikes out, you know, he was striking out a crazy amount in 2020, 2021. He comes out, he's for the Rays, striking out again, third, like nearly 36% of the time hitting like 197. It's really hard to, you know, be a big fan of his, but then he gets traded to Milwaukee, hits 20 home runs in 99 games, steals four bases. The, the plate discipline improves tremendously. 11.4% walk rate, 25.4% strikeout rate, which was better than any full season he had in the majors up until then. Uh, and then found a bunch of power, right? He hit 285, slugged 521. Again, 20 home runs in 100 games is a big deal for a guy who's actually mm-hmm. uh, quite, I mean, and he's good defensively. You know, uh, he, he's actually excellent defensively. It's why they had tolerated him for as long as they did in Tampa. Um with the guys they had behind him with Wander Franco and all. I mean, there's a reason that they kept letting him play and it's because he's excellent defensively. Uh, I, I think that the projections are all a little, I think they're a little conservative for me. I think that, you know, his ATC projection, which is 25 home runs, six stolen bases. It's probably closer to where I'm at 255 batting average, but I think it could even be better. I think there's like 27, 28 home run upside here. Uh, and I think that he could have more than 80 runs and RBI, uh, and you know, steals, that's going to be hard to tell. Cause it just depends on where he's going to hit in the lineup. But, yep. and I think he can hit, I think he can hit closer to two sixty or two seventy. Yeah. So I'm really high on him and you get to pick him really late, especially in shallower leagues because everyone's going to be all set at middle infield. They're not going to yeah. need Willie Adamas. So if you miss out at short, you can wait, right? Like, is he ever going to compete with Xander Bogarts? Probably not. Right. But I think you can get a lot closer than you think. And you can wait a really long time to get him. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like like you uh, mocking me when I, I talked about Juan the Franco. But I do like you talking about Willie Adamas. And uh, he was no slouch as a, as a minor leaguer. And uh, you mentioned the 270 batting average. That's right around where he was hitting. That's his career average uh, in six minor league uh, seasons. Uh, hit some home runs and, and stole some bases. So I like that. I like that. Talk about a guy that I'm looking to avoid. Francisco Lindor, 10th shortstop, 
uh, coming off the board. ADP of 57. Look, he's a better ball player than he's shown lately, no doubt. But I'm not sure if he's a good fit for the city of New York. I mean, New York fans love you when you're going good, but will boo you mercilessly when you're going bad. And he got off to a bad start with, with Met fans, you know, with that whole thumbs down stuff and everything. Just basically, I, I'm not willing to use the type of draft capital that it'll take to roster him at such a deep shortstop position. Uh, and, uh, and look, you know, especially if the two major projection models kind of agree with me, they say he's going to be a 250 hitter again. Yeah, I, I mean... It's really hard. It's really hard because, like, I think obviously, like you, that there's a lot more to Francisco Lindor than what we've seen, right? Uh, or at least that we saw last year. But I can't imagine. Like, it's hard to pick him over guys that have been doing it lately, right? Like the next two coming up, like the next three coming after him. The first one's Alberto Mondesi. Uh, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> but uh, the next one after him, Javi Baez. Yeah, you can hate the chasing all you want, but he still hits a bunch of home runs, steals bases. He's going to hit play every day, and he's going to hit in the middle of that Tigers order, right? Um, and then Corey Seager is going to Texas. He's shown that he can be an excellent ball player, mm-hmm. right? Like, these guys are all going after him. Like, why do I think – like, why should I think that Francisco Lindor is going to be objectively better than Cattell Marte or Jorge Polanco or Carlos Correa, mm-hmm. right, who go much later? So – that's where I'm, I mean, it's, again, it's not a don't believe in Francisco Lindor as it is. I don't, I clearly don't believe as much as people who have drafted so far. Right. So you're going to be a big uh, time Baez fan now that he's a Tiger? Oh, absolutely. I was already a Baez fan. How are you uh-huh. not? Right. The guy <laughs> wants to helm runs. Love that. He makes the flashiest plays. I, I'm so happy that we have Javi Baez, right? Yeah. Like, I hope we still get Carlos Correa, whatever. But Javi, oh, he's like one of the easiest guys to, for me to root for. Mm. Regardless of what he said as a Met, I don't care about your opinions about that. To me, he's so easy to root for because he's flashy and he's fun. Yeah. Well, uh, Correa is gonna, not going to come cheap, of course. He just signed on with, uh, I believe, Scott Boris as his agent. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, we need this lockout to be behind us. But so. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show uh, we're talking streamers, keepers, and players to avoid at every offensive position. We're going to cover the hot corner right after this. And we're back. It's Joe Glean and Scott Chu, Hacks and Jacks. We're talking about streamers, 
keepers and players at every offensive position. We're up to the hot corner, and uh, I'll, I'll start it off third base. Uh, how about Josh Donaldson is, is kind of like a streamer. 26th third baseman coming off the board, 205 ADP. No longer someone you can roster as your starting third baseman, in my opinion. You know he's going to spend some time on the IL due to his cranky calves. But uh, when he's healthy, you know he's going to hit home runs at a 30 home run pace. Yeah, he is. And that's that's the thing. It's The reason you can't have him as your starter is because you just can't have any idea of how much he's going to play. Right? But... Again, I mean, I didn't even realize how good he was last year when he did play, mm-hmm. right? And, and I follow this game a little bit from time to time. And you do watch a game too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he hit. I mean, he hit twenty. You know, he hit twenty six home runs last year. Twenty six more doubles, right? Uh, the batting average wasn't great, but he still takes walks. Uh, he does a lot of things that are still pretty good. So I think as long as he's healthy and batting anywhere close to the middle of the lineup, I think that he is valuable in leagues the problem of course and the thing that you'll have to struggle with is how often is that going to be it was 135 games last season which is a lot more than i thought it was and it was 155 in 2019 so he's been healthier i think than we give him some credit for but right like he's you know he's a hip flexor away from being out for the rest of a season Mm -hmm. right i mean it's just you know between age and and his injury history it's hard it's hard to rely on him, although he's probably a guy I'd take if I if I waited at third base, I'd probably pick someone I like a little more than him and then him. And hmm. hope hopefully combining Josh Donaldson with someone else to be a you know a, a good third baseman. No. So give me a couple of your guys that you're uh, looking at at third base. Yeah, so I'm actually going to talk about the avoid first because it's easy. Okay. And it's simply because it doesn't work in my strategy. Maybe it does yours. I'm obviously talking about Aldoberto Mondesi, right? Um, Mondesi, obviously, we know what he can do when he plays. Um, we also know that what he can do when he plays poorly, right? He is absolutely unrosterable at times and then goes nuts and steals a bunch of bases. But this is still a guy who has a two, like, who had a 271. OBP last year, right? OBP, right? He only played 35 games and sure he stole 15, you know, he stole 15 bases, hit six home runs, which is crazy in 35 games, but that's only 35 games. That wasn't enough. Like the, with what you have to pay to get him, you just need him to be healthy. And yes, we know what he can do when he's healthy, but even then, like in 2020, he played actually the full season pretty much in 2020. He was just horrid until the last month and mm-hmm. got all of his numbers. So I can't live like that. I need to be able to sleep. I need to be able to feed my family. You got enough problems, that. right? Yeah, I, I can't I can't deal with Alberto Montes. Uh, I like that. Uh, I'll tell you a third baseman that I'm avoiding, and then we could uh, talk about a couple of other players uh, at third base that you have. Kevin Biggio, 32nd third baseman. Uh, coming off the board, 271 ADP, obviously f- plays for the Blue Jays. Spent most of last season battling injuries, posted career worsts in walk rate, batting average, OBP, and slug. Look, guys never really hit for a high average, even in the minor leagues. But power and speed combination, it's it's appealing. But 
I think he has some decent upside, maybe a 250 batting average, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, but I'm not buying in on draft day. I will watch him, and I reserve the right to pick him up off the waiver wire, but uh, no way he starts the season on my team. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'll tell you a guy that I'm you know, very ready to, to stream, and I think I'm going to be able to do that in most leagues, and that's Eugenio Suarez, because... Obviously, we know what he can do when he's healthy. He can hit 35 to 40 home runs, drive in a bunch of runners. Um, He's just got to be healthy, and he's got to be making some contact. He can't be striking out 40% of the time like he did throughout the season, last season, the season before. He did seem to get better uh, with the strikeouts as the season went on. His strikeout rate did drop over time. And, you know, I know I keep patting myself on the back for this. I think that's actually why my shoulder hurts. But... (laughs) Uh, he actually had an excellent September and the Reds really want him to work out. It's not like they need to just like bury him somewhere, right? Like they really want him to work out. They need him to work out so that he can be a third baseman for them. And so that they can really, you know, take the next step and make a run at winning the NL central. So I, I like, I like him a lot. I don't want to draft him as like a starter, but you know, I'll keep an eye on him. He's going to be eligible at third base and short. Yep. He's probably going to be at the back end of my hitting roster on a lot of teams yep. because if it hits awesome. Right. And I'll know quickly if it doesn't, cause he's striking out 40 plus percent of the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to know what's going on with Eugenio Suarez. Cause you just look at that strikeout rate. And if he's striking out too much, you just let him go, but you don't have to pay much draft capital to get him. You know, his, his ADP is close to 200. For a guy with thirty, like legitimate thirty to thirty-five home run upside, yes, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't get much sweeter than that. And it's not like he's a Miguel Sano type. Um, I mean, he actually did post numbers similar to that. But number one, he's you know in the middle. You know, he can play third or short, which makes him corner and middle infield eligible as well. But also, like his track record of success is much better than Sano's. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And he can make this adjustment and I think be a very good hitter. So that's probably the guy that I'm really targeting towards the end of my rosters. Yeah, that was a good call by you uh, late last season. He did play a lot better last month of the season. And yeah, I mean, if you could get a guy like that, that could hit 40 home runs. I'm with you on that. How about Anthony Rendon, 13th third baseman coming off the board, 110 ADP. I mean, we've talked about position scarcity surrounding the third base position, but to to get a guy like Rendon uh, with his pedigree as the 13th third baseman, I know he battled a bunch of injuries, including a, a hip impingement uh, last season, only played 58 games, but when healthy, he's always hit for a good batting average as a 287 lifetime batting average, not going to hit, you know, 30, 35 home runs, but look, I could see him hitting upwards of 25 home runs. He's going to drive in a ton of bases like we talked about the Angels lineup, but looks like he's penciled in as their cleanup guy. Yeah, I actually, I like Rendon. And here's the thing. At third base, you start finding like the risk happens early, right? Like it's really safe. I think at the top, you've got Vlad Guerrero, uh, Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, Wander Franco, Nolan Arenado. I think those guys are pretty safe in terms of what to expect, or at least like the balance of upside. You know, you know it's there. They've either done it before or they're the best prospect pedigree in like the last decade, something like that, right? After that, you've got Mondesi, Bregman, Bryant, Edmund India, Rendon, Muncie LeMahieu. And the reason I bring up like all those names is that they actually all get drafted sort of close to each other, but 
Like, how is Anthony Rendon so much more risky than Alex Bregman Hmm. or Jonathan India repeating his rookie year or Mondesi who might not play, right? Like really it's the, it's the Alex Bregman one that gets me because like those guys were kind of close when they were both at peak. Right. And so it's like with Rendon, it's like, why, why would I ever think about targeting an Alex Bregman at 78 when I can get Anthony Rendon at 110, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so at a minimum, I'd get him at least a round later, probably more like two or three. So, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. So that's what I like about Rendon because he's down there in that range with Rendon and Muncie and to Mm -hmm. a slightly lesser extent, DJ LeMahieu. I like that range. If you don't get one of the top seven, right. Any other third basements or we move over to the outfield position. Yeah, I think we can keep going. All right. All right. So I'll bring up, uh, Byron Buxton, uh, 21st outfielder, 65 ADP. Can you really call him a, a streamer at, at what you have to pay for him as a, on draft day? But look, last season was on his way to a career year and until, of course, an injury got in the way. And injuries have just been killing his career. 238 batting average and 19 home runs, 23 stolen bases were his 162-game average in his first six seasons. But like I said, last season just came into his own while he played 306, 358, 647, triple slash. That's the guy we always expected him to be. And he's, he's still only 27 years old, signed that contract extension with the Twins so he doesn't have to worry about you know where he's going to be playing next. He knows he's going to be basically a twin for life. So, I mean, I play in multiple leagues and I'd be willing to roster him in at least one of them. Oh, well, that's so generous of you. At least thank one. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just one. Just one. Don't get crazy now. So one of our FSWA best baseball podcast uh, co-finalists, Rates and Barrels, did a really nice job talking about Bugston last year, talking about how he's a new player now. So before we used to think of him as this guy who might go like 15 home runs, 30 steals. I think we really have to flip that. I think the upside has now swapped itself based on the injuries he's had and all the things we've seen and the way he, like what he needs to do to stay healthy. I think now he's got this 30 home run, uh, 15 stolen base upside that that's really tantalizing. It's just, it's like a crazy amount of risk. So as much as I like what Buxton could do, I think the thing for me is going to be like, it's, it's really when you draft, like I, I would have to mock it first because of the amount of backup I need, especially in like a five outfield league, like the amount of backup I need. I think in a three outfield league, he's perfect because the replacement level is so high that while he's out, I can get someone who's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I can still hit, you know, I can still hit, but in like a five outfield or like an NFBC, I'd have to mock that because that's so much risk to have at the top of your outfield. All right. Uh, any other outfielders that you, you have on your, uh, uh, plate that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. So I'll start with the ones to stream because it's so many, it's so many, I'm not going to name names in 10 and 12 team leagues, your last outfielder in, in a, you know, especially in like in a five outfield league, maybe even your last two outfields, just stream them, play the hot hand until something sticks so hard that it's not worth removing, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone's so good. They are like, Oh, well I found, you know, I hit, hard and now I get to, you know, now I just get to hold and enjoy the ride. Right. So I really think that you shouldn't get too attached to the, you know, your last two outfield, unless you went really outfield heavy in draft, which happens. Right. Um, but 
I really think you should stream those spots because there's going to be so many guys that come in and out, right? There's going to be so many guys that, that have something. And realistically, you're probably going to be thinking more about category needs than just, you, know, you should be thinking about category needs more than just filling a roster spot because you don't just want to fill a roster spot. You want to fill a roster spot with something that you actually need, right? So there's going to be times where like a guy that I'm generally going to avoid in drafts in 10 and 12 team leads are Vidal Bruhan and Miles Straw. Not because I don't think they're good players, but it's because they're as another co-host for a fellow finalist uh, for the FSWA podcast of the year, baseball podcast of the year, sleep on the bus, as Paul Sport would say, they're rabbits, right? They tend to be, they don't really offer anything besides maybe some runs, depending on where they hit and stolen bases. So with uh, with Bruhan and Straw, that like, that's not good enough in a 10 or a 12 teamer. That's like 15 team, like in 15 team leagues, you need those stolen bases and that value's crazy high, but in 10 and 12 teamers, you can stream your way into more stolen bases mm-hmm. and you have other needs, like, especially in like a weekly, like a head to head where, you know, it's a new matchup every week, like screw stolen bases, right? Like stolen bases are random in terms of weekly distribution. So who cares? Right. So like, there's a lot of reasons not to draft one of those two guys in shallower leagues, uh, but there's tons of reasons to stream them in mm-hmm. shallower leagues because that's what you need. Or, you know, they face two really bad batteries this week. So they're going to be able to steal a ton of bases. Um, you know, my stream and avoid all kind of goes together is avoid overpaying for your last outfield mm-hmm. because you should be streaming it all the time based on your needs. Right. In five outfield leagues, any chance that Joey Gallo is on any of your fantasy teams? I mean, there's, there's always a chance, you know, um, I, I would need to be in a very specific position, preferably an OBP, but otherwise it'd have to be a very specific position where he's available. He's near the top of my outfield ranks and I'm in a power deficit, which just hasn't happened to me in any mocks I've done yet. Yeah. So like, Probably not because I tend to target a lot of my power early anyway. So I just don't need to take him with all of his warts, but there's a reality where I miss on those guys. I end up power light and then I might go for him, but he's probably off my board more often than he's on it. Yeah. You obviously have to make sure that if you plan on rostering him or if you get to the point where you feel you need to, that you have enough players surrounding him on your fantasy roster that could make up for that, you know, 199 batting average. Yeah. And I really want to kind of hammer on that point for a second of like, don't, don't get like too attached to like certain play, like players on your draft list as like, he's on my board, he's off my board. Players should come back on and off your board throughout the draft, right? Like what ends up happening for me is Joey Gallo comes off my board because like my first three picks are power heavy, right? I get three guys with 30 home run upside. Joey Gallo no longer becomes appealing at his likely ADP. But if he hangs around for a while or then I take a couple guys who just can't hit for power uh, for some reason, right? Like he might slide his way back onto my board because he slipped down for a while or something like that your board is dynamic based on your draft needs, right? Like there's times if I like after I draft in a single catcher league, if I draft a Yasmani Grandal, every catcher is now off my board. There's no price I'm willing to pay, right? They're all off my board. Yeah. But you know, or if I take Vlad Guerrero jr. In the first round, 
the next couple of first basemen are probably not totally off my board, but like grayed out, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm probably going to have other needs for, and most of those first basemen are, are power and batting average guys, mm-hmm. right? So I don't really need what they're going to provide, right? Or if I get a bunch of steals early, if I draft Trey Turner, some of the big steal guys after that probably come off my board a little because I need to focus on other things. So like there's certain people that are just never on my board going in, but most of my not on my board or target guys, those are very flexible in draft based on what needs I have throughout that draft, because you can mock all you want, but eventually the draft comes and things don't always work out exactly like you plan. You need to have like these guys in your back pocket. You think, all right, I normally don't target you guys because of how my drafts go, but this draft hasn't gone like that. And now you're back in play. Mm-hmm. So just be ready to do that. Don't be too stubborn just because in every other mock you did, you didn't need to like the real draft might come. And that might be the one time that you didn't get speed early. So then when you get speed early, you don't need to target guys like miles straw. So they're off your board, but now they're back on because it's like, I did not get the speed I needed early. So now I do need to sort of slide these guys on my board and maybe up a little because I'm used to having that speed and I don't have it. So I'm gonna have to get it later. Hmm. And before we get off the outfield position and move over to catcher and close out the show, I know that you love this guy. J.D. Martinez is outfield eligible, right? Uh, 24th outfielder coming off the board. 85 ADP had a really nice bounce back season. And you've talked about in the past because you, you Known from his days with the Tigers, how he's basically his own hitting coach could uh, figure out what what he's done wrong and really came back. Power was back last season, twenty eight home runs, two eighty six batting average, exit velocity came back, and uh, he's a free agent at the end of the season. So if you believe that some players might put up better numbers when they're playing for a contract, he's locked for thirty home runs and a hundred RBI just based on his uh, pedigree alone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm obviously I'm I'm a huge fan of JD Martinez. He is his own hitting coach, so that like that keeps his floor so high over the course of a whole season. He might slump for a short amount of time, but it always comes back. And that's the thing you get to believe in with him. You don't always get to believe in with other players, particularly younger players. You don't always know if they're going to bounce back. Right? With JD Martinez, you know. He's been through worse than what he's going through now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll come back. So the last guy I want to talk about in the outfield, because I can't believe I'm talking to the outfield. I'm not talking about this guy. Guy I'm targeting, Akil Badu. <laughs> like, obviously, Akil Badu, I, th- I continue to believe this is a 2020 player, right? I can't stress enough how much I love the adjustments he made throughout the season. I think he's going to have a lot of... He's going to play every day, and I think he's going to lead off against righties, uh, which is going to be a lot of them. There's a ton of righties in the AL Central, uh, specifically. I'm a huge fan of what he can do again, 20. I think he's a 2020 guy. I think that he, I mean, he put up like close to top 50 outfield value last year. And that was with like two and a half months of the season as a part-time player or a very bad one, right? Like he still puts up those numbers and he's still being drafted at that price, right? Mm -hmm. Like you still get to take him as like one, like a top 60 ish outfield. When I think his upside is more like top 30 outfield. And I would, like, if I had to, I'd take him as a top 40, If but I don't, right? I get to take him as a top 50, top 60. Mm-hmm. So I end up with him in almost every single draft. Huge Akil Badu fan still. I will be probably till the day I die. Uh, he's got a wonderful smile. He seems super <laughs> nice. Like, I love everything about Akil Badu. Uh, and I'm so glad he's a Tiger. And I'm really glad that he's my, like, 
I only have to make him my third or fourth outfielder on fantasy teams because I think he's a lot better than that. I'm a believer in Bedou as well. So you, you've convinced me. So uh, <laughs> why don't we finish off by talking about the catcher position? I'll tell you one guy that I would consider streaming, uh, Elise Diaz, Rockies catcher, 20th catcher coming off the board, 283 ADP. Typical type of splits that you get from Rockies players and, and power hitters in general. You know, the, you have the home away splits, 289 batting average at home, 204 on the road, but really came on in the second half overall, uh, batted. 274 with 11 home runs in his final 55 games. Yeah, he had some he had some like streaks of usefulness when he was a pirate too. Mm. Um it was mostly I I feel like it was platoons back then, but I don't quite remember. PNC and Coors are very different places to hit. Mm. So it's been very interesting to see him continue to hit fairly well. He's definitely a guy I'd stream for batting average. I mean, that's what you're going to get from him. The other guy I'd stream and I think you can do like weirdly enough you can do this Mike Zanino, right? Guy coming off a 30 home run season. Look, we all know what Zanino is. He's just power, 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 and a bad batting average. But you know what? He's real good against lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continues to be. Now, does he still strike out a lot? Yes, but it's at like 31%, which is tolerable when you walk 10% of the time. Last season, he hit 238 against uh, lefties, which is not good, but not, you know, not horrible. 322 OBP, serviceable. Right. And then, of course, a 546 slug, which is excellent, mm-hmm. which leads itself to a 308 ISO. Right. The guy can just hit for a ton of power. He especially does so against lefties. He is horrendous against right handed pitching. I would basically bench him, even if I drafted him to be my full time catcher. I'd still bench him against righties because he's just not good enough against them. Um, but, like, if you platooned Zanino and Diaz, you'd probably end up with a pretty darn good. Uh, like a pretty darn good catcher at the end of it. If you're mm-hmm. able to just sort of, you can't roster them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think using a streaming strategy, which is why if you don't get a top five catcher, or so you can just stream it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's worth looking at like guys like Zanino, who you can target like, oh, hey, look, they've got a three game series coming up against some soft lefties. I'll put in Zanino. And then for the weekend, Diaz is at home. Right. Boom. Like what a beautiful thing to be able to do. Right. Because like cutting Zanino won't make you feel bad. Take You'll a page. be able to pick yeah. him up when he comes off waivers. I pretty much guarantee it. Right. Take a page out of Dr. Frankenstein's playbook. Right. And create the perfect fantasy catcher. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yasmani Grandal is a guy that uh, I feel that fourth catcher coming off the board. So you're going to have to pay some high draft capital in terms of the, the weak catcher position. But just uh, consistent home run production. Count on him for 25 home runs just about every season. Had a, a knee injury that he was dealing with last season. But other than that, pretty durable. And you know, you're looking for a 240 batting average like he produced last season. But uh, the 23 home runs in just 93 games last season were impressive. Yeah, and he had some weird, like, fluky batting average issues where he was hitting, like, 198, but his OBP was, like, 402. It was like no one would throw him anything near the strike zone. Uh, it, it was it was kind of wild. So I do think like his batting average has a little more upside than that. But obviously, I think what hap- what's going to happen every draft is if you're in a draft where like people have mics or whatever, or even if there's a chat, when Grandall comes off the board, someone's always going to say good pick. And someone else is always going to sigh like because oh. <laughs> that was they like they wanted that. Right. That's what's going to happen every time he comes off the board. And sometimes it's going to be you. Like sometimes you're going to be like the picker and sometimes you're going to be watching him get picked. It's going to be a bummer probably every time, but 
you know, that's, that's the way it goes. You know, as far as like, I think the one we both agree on easily is the avoid Gary Sanchez. It's not yes. worth it. Right. He's just stream. You mm-hmm. can stream Gary Sanchez sometimes, you know, with, if he's going to be at home for the week. Sure. Right. At home for the week against the Orioles pitching staff. Absolutely. Go for it. You know, but don't think it's more than what it is. Gary Sanchez is just a, a pure power hitter. Who's not a very good catcher and who can't hit better than 200. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. So you have to accept if you accept it for what it is, you realize it's not someone you should draft. Right. It's a streamer. Someone will draft him because a an auction calculator will tell you that over the course of a full season, he's better. But what he's not going to be better than is streaming the position. I can't believe that he's the 10th catcher coming off the board, according to Fantasy Pros, consensus ADPs. And hit 204, 23 home runs last season. But just to give you a closer look at his season, he went on a hot streak for three weeks in June, where he batted 310, eight home runs, drove in 19 runs. That's for three weeks in June. Take away those three weeks and his 204 overall batting average drops to a 179 overall batting average. I think that just tells you everything that you need to know about Sanchez's 2021 season. Oh, that Gary is scary. That's a streamer. That's the epitome of a streamer because so much of his value comes in this one period of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. He gets hot. He probably hits a nice soft spot in the schedule and he goes right. Like that's a streamer folks, a streamer. You don't need to draft that. That as Nick would say, it's a Toby. It's a Toby who has upside. You can have upside at times, but be a Toby because like, I mean, or, you know, for him, it's sort of like a weird equivalent of a cherry bomb. Cause what will also happen is like in head to head leagues, he's horrible. Cause he, what he does is he wins you one week, then loses you the next two. Right. Because he goes, oh, for 40. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just, it's more than I'm willing to deal with. I'd have to have, for me to be thinking about drafting him, I need so much batting average on my team. Like, I, I need to be like, well, my team's going to hit 290. <laughs> so now I guess it's okay. Right. <laughs> right? Like, Gary, Gary Sanchez and Mike Zanino are the same guy. They're the same guy for fantasy purposes. Right. Except Zanino's, Zanino's easier to use because it's just a platoon. Mm-hmm. Right? At least I know what Zanino's going to do. Sanchez will have good matchups and still suck. Right, right. <laughs> and, I mean, I know we don't care about this for fantasy purposes, but sometimes we do because that'll keep you batting the lineup. But Zunino is an outstanding catcher. Uh, yeah, he, not only pitch framing. Play. Yeah, he's going to play. Yes. He's going to play. But, like, Sanchez is not that catcher. Mm-hmm. Like, they use him now, but he's not this, like, oh, well, he's so good defensively, we need to keep him. No. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> like they keep him because of the 30 home runs. The guy it, it's, you know, it's a short, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to get benched or whatever, but like they will look for any, if Kyle Higashioka gets hot. Yeah. Gary Sanchez hits the bench. Oh, he, he did get benched for a period uh, last year. Sanchez. It's just that Higashioka was almost just as bad offensively. I mean, Higashioka got off to a decent start first few weeks of the season, and then he just tanked. So, I mean, the only reason that Higashioka is back on the team this year is because he's Gary Cole's uh, personal catcher. So uh, Yankees have some problems at catcher. Yeah. But uh, like, and that's the thing. Not only that, but Sanchez is a platoon. He's not even a guy. Even if he was healthy, he wouldn't play every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at DH, because you don't want a DH who hits two hundred five. Defeats so, the purpose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the last thing I want to say about catcher in general, when you're looking at catcher projections, 
Remember that a ton of the value in those are going to come from plate appearances and batting average. Um, like that's why in a lot of projection systems, Salvi Perez is so much higher than the other catchers. It's not because of per plate appearance value. It's because of overall value, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, when Perez needs a break, he just DHs, right? And until recently, uh, other catchers couldn't do that, especially because a lot of the best catchers in uh, in fantasy were National League catchers, like Will Smith, like JT Romuda. So, like, your, your projections are going to change. You want to try to know if your projection system is considering, a, like, the like with or without a DH, right? Because that's going to change. Like JT Real Muto becomes a lot more valuable when uh, he's allowed to DH because that's mm-hmm. how he'll get his days off. Right. He'll keep his bat in the lineup, right? Same for like a Will Smith. If they had, I mean, the Dodgers have a lot of guys that they could, that they could, you know, put a DH, but Will Smith gets more chances to play when he can DH, right? And that's actually going to be true of a couple other catchers that are good enough right? It doesn't change it for some, but others it does. So it's just really something to think about when you're looking at the projections. Remember that if you have a different plate appearance projection, that it's going to change the value of that catcher tremendously. That's really going to happen for a couple guys like adult and Varsho. His value changes dramatically with plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who I think is worth targeting, but also, you know, dr- changes dramatically with plate appearances. And, um, you know, there's a couple others who Alejandro Kirk in Toronto, I think has a lot of upside with power and batting average. And he also might sit a lot for Danny Jansen. Right. Who's better right. defensively. Mm-hmm. So plate appearances really think about when you're looking at the projections, don't just look at the dollar values, look at how much playing time they're giving them and see if you agree with that. Because if you have a different feeling that this guy's going to play more than that, that's going to change their value pretty significantly great stuff as always scott good talking to you and uh, that just uh, about slams the lid on things for today uh, i think our next show should drop on february 9th if i'm not mistaken we're going to be posting new shows on wednesdays this season but uh, follow me at joe galena follow scott at if the chew fits and you can follow the podcast at hacks and jacks pl uh, also, you could follow at Pitcher List Pods, and uh, we'll let you know when a new episode is released. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast, uh, Hacks and Jacks, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, get your podcast content from. Write a review, rate us, and if you do subscribe to our podcast, you'll know anytime we release new content. As always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I might even have rankings for us next week.